Yeah, it was, it was just, it was glitching everywhere. Okay. It may still be on the recording, but I, on my end, it was all fucked up. Kazoo tight. Yeah, so how's it going? What's up? Oh, it's going all right, man. Uh, man, just dude, like it's awesome. There's no one here right now. They're all got stuff going on. Yeah, that's have... rare for that's rare for you. I know, dude. It's quiet. It's well, it's interesting because when people, you know, they're not everyone's back at school. It's uh, I have the opportunity to be home and have it be quiet, but I'm working. This is like I'm on a long weekend. Yep. They're you know doing other stuff. No one's here, and I'm recording. So it's like nice. I was playing some video games this morning. Now I'm starting to. Cr- I just cracked a beer. I'm gonna record episode seventy nine. Welcome to Scatterbrain Podcast episode seventy nine. Ah, ah, delicious. I'm drinking a beer right at noon. Perfect. Me too. What are you drinking? Oh, something different. A dark star. Same old, same old. No, oh, yeah. I'm actually you know what's drinking. Funny? What's that? Was, oh, I was just going to say, what's funny is that you're alone right now. And now a couple moved in here and they had friends over last night. So now I actually have people here all the time, which is interesting. Is that a little kind bit of a style? <laughs> a little bit of a switch. No, I actually like it. A year and a half being alone, you know, it was kind of like um, there are nights where I was just like, oh, uh, you know, you know what I mean? But then yeah, I, I, come sure. home from, I come home from work and she's making dinner, you know, and then I don't know, it's kind of cool. And they knock on my door and I offer me a little food. It's like, oh, I live with mom again. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's and, I got, and, I, and I got lucky because they, they are out back with friends and they're all drinking beers and having fun. And I'm like, I like this. This is yeah. cool. And they like metal, you said, right? Well, he, he likes everything. He showed me his playlist on Spotify and there's literally every kind of music on there from metal to like, I mean, everything. I was, I was going through it and I'm like, holy shit, you really do like everything, don't you? Like what? what? What kind of other stuff? Name something. Dr. Dre. Yes, he has that. Um, like Barbara Streisand, even like uh, Engelbert nice. Humperdinck. Even he'll have like old jazz. Old what about classic. Neil Diamond? That's the real he, question. He absolutely has that on there. Oh. Um, uh, everything from like the most hardcore rap to the most evil death metal to everything. I mean, I was going through it and I'm just holy shit. What about like Mashugano or something? And he's like, oh, he didn't have that one though. <laughs> Mashuga, oh, just for the record. Oh, wait, Jim. Mashuga, Mashuga, and um, what was the other one? I, I was trying to. Um, there's another band that I think is similar, not Corn, but um, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Something I think is similar too. He didn't have that one either. But never mind. Moving on. Yeah, well, that's cool, man. Anyone uh, listening to us? Hopefully, your your roommate maybe will listen to Pot's Scatterbrain Podcast. I didn't even hear you mention that we were on his playlist. Well, no, he didn't know. That was like the second, third day he was here. So, yeah. well, um, I just know. I just know. I noticed there was no Mashuganaganaga on there. I see. Well, you uh-huh. should have Scatterbrain podcast. He should also follow us on Twitter at Scatterbrain Pod. And since he's probably on Instagram as well, he should follow us on Instagram at Scatterbrain Pod SD as in San Diego. Uh-huh. You know what else he should do? He should email us. He should tell us where he's listening from and how he found us. Oh, and not, not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, actually, uh, I, I really wanted to thank the, the people that are listening because it's been a good creative outlet. And it's good collaborating on this with you, but the people are listening and spending their time, their actual time listening to us. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, and we're trending upward. We're getting more listeners. So thank, thank you all, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So in all seriousness, it'd be, it would be cool to hear from not just your roommate, but anyone else listening, 
email us, message us on the social media, whatever. Just let us know where you're listening from and how you found us. That'd be cool to know how that goes. Also, also what scatterbrain SD at outlook or something.com, something like that. Just go with a uh, scatterbrain pod on Twitter yep. and scatterbrain pod SD You'll on find Instagram. It. Yeah. You can go to scatterbrainpodcast.com as well and find links to our anchor page. You can message us through there, send us insulting voicemails, whatever you want. Oh, uh, we don't want any more of those though. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh, last month we've been, actually it's been a little over a month, month and a half, maybe we've been pretty lucky to have some great guests um, yeah. uh, sort of along the same lines of when people listen. I'm also stoked and appreciative when people are willing to take time from their weekend to record with us. As uh, you yeah. know, Ian, not everyone does, but you know, we do this on usually on Sunday afternoons, sometimes Saturdays, um, you know, that's time out of their weekend when they could be doing something else. And when they take the time to talk with us and stuff, that's pretty cool. So we've had some good guests on there uh, last week with Andre from Corvac was a pretty good one. I'm yep. always put to shame whenever I talk with anyone in life, you know, that speaks more than one language and yeah, can be like conversational. You know, wow. I took it, I took Spanish in high school. I studied up on German and was kind of immersed in that for a bit and could do the basics hey, to get yeah. somewhere, how to do that, but to like sit down and actually have a conversation. Uh, that's a whole other skill set. So. Yeah, I took French for a year and I can count to 10 in French. That's it. Nice. nice. Yeah, I didn't exactly absorb it. But um, I was talking to the new roommates about that last night because they, they were speaking a little Spanish. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder what kind of shit they're talking about me right now. And so I just looked at them. I go, oh, by the way, I speak Spanish. And they all kind of looked at me like, oh, oh, OK. And I just started busting up. I'm like, no, I don't speak Spanish. And the one girl goes, oh, that's a good one. Because it, it confirmed to me that I need to speak uh, some Spanish. You know what I mean? Especially in this area. Yeah, just knowing anything, <laughs> something different helps you understand other things, other languages, well, other people. So it'd be better to have a, a language that I could actually use with somebody, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to be speaking too much German around here. So, well, if you had people, I mean, if you had, I know certain people that have gone to like little clubs where it was German, older German people that want to go and speak it and stuff. And if you could, you know, I don't know, even for me, like old people are pretty cool sometimes. <laughs> you could, you could find some old dude to, talk about something fun with and that is point counterpoint on scatterbrain podcast did you like this band that i uh, suggested we we review today uh i want you to start this all right so what are we talking about today ian um we're talking about the new uh the new barry manlow album right this has got some long ass names in this band don't you think yeah well the album itself well, I can't even get the whole name of the album on my Spotify. I don't even know what the last few were, <laughs> but it's um the, the band is called Oxygen Destroyer, which I think is an awesome fucking name yeah. for a band. You know where that name comes from? I looked it up. What? Apparently in the original Godzilla movie, uh-huh. uh, the Oxygen Destroyer is the weapon that's used to kill Godzilla. Well, that makes sense because of the covers of the albums then. That yeah. makes total sense now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess these guys are huge into those types of things. The well, yeah, monsters just, and stuff. Just like look that. at the cover, man. Just look at the, yeah. all the covers. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, the album we're talking about today is yeah. Oxygen Destroyers, Sinister <laughs> Monstrosity Spawned by the Unfathomable, unfathomable <laughs> Ignorance of Humankind. God, that's really bad. Sinister Monstrosity Spawned by the Unfathomable Ignorance of, humankind. of humankind. That's yeah, it? That's, that's a mouthful. Oh, no, no, no. It was it's the first song that I couldn't get the whole thing. That's what it was. Gotcha. Well, this album was released uh, on August 27th, 2021. It's eight songs, 28 minutes, 15 seconds. Beautiful length. Yep. Yep. It's uh, these guys are from Seattle, Washington. 
They were formed in 2014. Okay, I couldn't find where they were from. That was my my sticking point. So Seattle. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would call these guys a blend of genres, actually. If pressed, I'd probably call them like blackened death grind or something like that. But they got lots of death metal and thrash going on here. Uh, but they're faster, a little more on that grindcore feel. But then thrashy, there's thrash in there too. Uh, this is like, this is thrash slash speed metal, like black speed metal or something. I don't know. It's I, I like it. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I was trying to say. It's just all over. But I, there's a lot of parts, man, that could be called like grindcore. I mean, that was just all over the place. Yeah, it really Definitely was. the theme would be blackened. They've got yeah. kind of that. Yeah almost black metal kind of yeah. old in a way, old school skeleton, witch kind of screeching vocals. Oh, dude. I hear like old, like 1980s, like really like, almost like sloppy black metal stuff in some of this. Like, yeah. 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 Like, I, like ba- bathery or, or demolition hammer shit like that. I, I hear it all over this. Yet there's also obituary in there. Yes. Yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just all over the place. It runs the gamut. These guys are Chris Craven on drums, Joey Walker on guitars, Lord Kaiju, which I'm guessing it's his band. There you go. Uh, on vocals and guitars. And then mm-hmm. Paul Wright on bass. This is their second full length, though they've appeared on a number of split album kind of things, which I've not heard. I'm surprised their names aren't like, you know, like Captain Underworld and, and uh, Mothra yeah. Man, Mothra. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of funny. I love like the Lord Buckethead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, I, uh, this is, I'll just start it off. I'll say I like this thing a lot, man. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I, I liked it immediately and it gets better as the album goes. Yeah. It's just all over the place. Like I said, the songs are great. Um, yep. They're fast. They cover just all kinds of territory. A good drumming. Uh, you know, just fast. You like fast music. Yeah. I kind, of, I kind of like the drumming in a way too, because some of it is like unrefined sounding. It's like he's not trying to do too much. He's keeping it kind of simple, but it's fast and good. You know what I mean? It's not all over the place. Yeah. And then the next, the next song, though, some of the drumming is just like, wow, this guy's incredible. The guitar playing is really good, too. And yeah, I love yeah. the singer. I love the singer. This is my kind of vocalist. Yeah, I like, I like this one a lot. Um, I, uh, did you have any, any favorite songs? I mean, these are all, they're all pretty, pretty funny names. They're all pretty good. They're, fu- they're funny names. I can't really choose one. That I, maybe the last song. Yeah, the, that, the rain that's, has, yeah, the rain has begun. That's a very yeah. good one. Yeah, um, I really liked maybe like the the second, third, and fourth tracks the best, possessing the putrefied remnants of the something or other. I can't even see <laughs> yeah, it. Might just, yeah, that's what I was talking about. You can't even get the whole name of the song. Slaughtering the guardian monsters, sons <laughs> of the necro beast. Those ones really stood out to me. Now, what is this? Enduring the maternal rage of the. It does. It stops right there. What does it say? The amphibious um, something or other. I don't know. I, I can't. I could probably look it up. I just don't. <laughs> The plague spreading horror from I don't even know, as big as the battleship. That's a twenty thousand fathoms. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a good album. I like yeah. this. I'm gonna. Get, you want to rate it first? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this one again, we're just talking about because we seem to forget to do this. Ian, we're talking about uh-huh. oxygen destroyers, sinister monstrosity spawned by the unfathomable ignorance of humankind. Oh, nice, good, good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We've joked in the past about when we went from like. In particular, we went from the five-star system to the 10-point system. We joked that yeah. maybe someday we'd be eventually rating these things out of 100 or out of 1,000. Right. And kind of along those lines, this album's sort of difficult for me to rate. Right. I really, really like it. Yeah. Um, I know where I want to put it on the 10-point scale, but then I start comparing it to other albums that we reviewed, and yeah. that's where it starts to get a little tricky. Uh-huh. So 
for example, the last album we reviewed was From the Sulfur Depths from Hell Slave. I gave that an yeah. 8.5. That was a very good album. I gave it an 8. But I like this much better than that. Yeah, me too. But then I look at something like Beekeeper's Slaves to the Nothing, which I rated a 9 out of 10. And I think that overall, I like Beekeeper better. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. So I'm kind of torn. You know, I'm like, well, if we were doing it out of 100, I'd give it an 88. You know, if I could do like a point beyond eight and a half and all that, I'd probably give it an 8.8. But if just I had, give it an eight. Just give it an 8.8. Uh, I think I think we're not going to go there, dude, because then what we will be at like out of a thousand by, by episode 200. So, well, I, that I just, think that's that just puts us at a hundred scale and it just solves it just by going 8.8. <laughs> 8, so no, no, no. I think I'm actually going to give it a nine. And this is why. <laughs> um, OK, OK, because I like the many different influences and styles that you can hear in here. Me too. Uh, and so for me, in that way, I kept noticing little different things. And it, it was like, oh, when I first started, like, oh, this is really, really fast. Yep. Um, I like it. Ooh, this, this, that sounds like some death metal. That sounds almost like a little terrorizer and some of the drumming at points, like just all over the yeah. place. So I think that's where I'm going to have to bump it up to a nine because it's really good. And I found that they just covered a lot of territory, but in a good way. It wasn't just regurgitated clone if you will so i'm going to give it a nine and i will also give it a 4.5 on the five star scale i will match that that's exactly what i was going to say i give it a nine as well wow yeah it's that good i mean it's one of the better things we've reviewed um there's only a few other out there that are nine or 9.5 like i really liked enforced right um yeah, that's this, a good one this is a steel bearing hand i really liked this is close to those as well so yeah nine and 4.5 good stuff yep so again, you, these guys were the were Oxygen Destroyer. I know we said did you listen? Did you listen to the previous album that they did too? I didn't listen to that. No, one. I haven't listened to anything. Um, well, this is good enough that I'm going to go back and I'm going to I'm going to explore some of their earlier stuff and see how that sounds too because it's fucking good stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely uh, going to keep this one in the rotation for sure. Yeah. This is very good. And keeping in the same vein of uh, of that album and and it, the feeling that I had when I listened to it, we're going to talk about Demonic Possession. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't talked about this before, actually. Well, I was, think I was thinking about this, and we kind of have, because it's kind of zombies, it's kind of poltergeists, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Uh, voodoo is, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. So are you ready for some demons and other things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay tuned. Your mother sex talks in hell! So we're going to talk about demonic possession today. Yeah. What do you think we're comes to mind when... For most people, when the topic of demonic possession is brought up, uh, probably the movie Exorcist, right? Yeah, I, I agree. So, first thing that pops into my head is that, that chick's face. Yeah, uh, yeah. What, what was her name? The actress? I forgot her name. Uh, the, the character's name was Reagan. She, oh, Reagan, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forget her name right now. Yeah, I forgot the actress's name. Doesn't matter, but you know, that movie was creepy as shit that's that's uh probably one of the scariest movies i've ever seen i've seen a lot of horror it's pretty uh, uh pretty... growing up that that was the movie that scared the crap out of me yeah 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 they apparently shortly after the time of original release they had to re-edit the movie because audiences were so disturbed because there's so much subliminal <sighs> and weird oh cuts and all kinds of audio and different things that are all over that <laughs> yeah. all over that thing uh-huh Yep. And there were there were scenes I guess that were scarier than the scenes that were left in that they had to cut out, like like her walking down the stairs backwards like a spider. Yeah, we'll get this one. So about 
I'd say maybe 20 years ago, it could be more, it could be less. They re-released the original version in a theater. Oh, you near, told me. Yeah, near where my parents live. So of course I went with my mom because she loves all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the original cut, dude. They had that in there. It was like, oh, yeah, it was creepy as hell. Oh, I wish actually, I would have seen Actually, that. no, I think that one was Exorcist 3. No, maybe it was that because I do remember that. But I saw what, if, if I'm not mistaken, because I, I did see that Exorcist 3 in that same exact theater that I saw the re-release of. So I, uh -huh. I'm maybe a little confused there in my recollection. But um, yeah, the original cut was creepy, man. It was awesome. So, so good. Well, now I'm lost because I didn't know they did three Exorcists. Yeah, they did Exorcist, of course, the original one. And they did Exorcist 2, which was when Reagan. Was Reagan. Oh, I would guess 80s? a few. Yeah, I guess like probably early 80s. Um, because when did the first Exorcist, Exorcist come out? It was like 70s, right? Late 70s, 73 or four. Okay, so this, I'm guessing probably that I guess there's no reason to guess. We could just look. Hold on, <laughs> I think it was 73. I'm gonna say 73. Let's look 70. real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it was no, it might be 70. No, 73 sounds right. Yep, The Exorcist came out in 73. And let me look at Exorcist two. Steel Civ, baby. Yeah, now let's see. Oh, yeah, Exorcist um, 2, The Heretic was. 1977 okay oh pretty quick right yeah. after the first one okay yep. and then exorcist 3 came out much later in the 90s um 1990 it appears okay that yeah that sounds i think i remember that one i don't i don't remember the second one coming out though yeah, that, yeah the second one was not a very good one it was where she sort of um has to go on under all this testing and stuff. I don't even remember because I I've probably only seen it a couple of times. It just oh, it goes more into the scientific yeah. side of why it happened or something. That makes They're sense. They're trying to yeah. go in. I don't remember it exactly. I've seen it. I probably have it, but I just don't ever watch that one. The first one was just so good. The third right. one was pretty good too. I recall it was something about this homeless guy gets possessed by I don't know if it's the same being or whatever, but hmm. good deal. Well, you know, the, that first movie is based on the exorcism of Roland Doe, which was in the late 1940s in the U.S. And priests of the Roman Catholic Church performed a series of exorcisms on that guy. And he's, he's remained anonymous to this day. He's documented under Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim, which is weird. Now, he was 14 at the time, and he was a, an alleged victim of demonic possession. And they were recorded. The events were recorded by the attending priest, Raymond Bishop. Subsequent supernatural claims surrounding the events were used as elements in William Peter Blatty's novel, The Exorcist. Trippy, huh? Yeah, that's a that's a great book. I've read that book. I have oh, you did? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting, um, not to derail too much from The Exorcist thing, but it's amazing that the, just the idea in and of itself is something that's kind of spans across culture and time. Mm -hmm. And it's just an interesting thing, right? Just like people always look to the sky, have always, as a species, have always looked to the sky for the gods or whatever, right? It's something that regardless of where it was in the world, they did. It's interesting that there's always this nefarious side as well. Uh-huh. Well, in 1949, though, there were a bunch of newspaper articles that were being printed, anonymous reports of the possession of that kid, right? And his exorcism. And the source of these reports is thought to be the family's former pastor, Lutheran Schultz. Now, according to an account, a total of 48 people witnessed this exorcism, nine of them Jesuit priests. 48? 
Yeah, author well, uh, Thomas Allen, Jesuit priest father Walter Halloran, was one of the last surviving witnesses of the events and participated in the exorcism. Now, he wrote that a daily diary was kept by the attending priest father Raymond uh, Bishop, and it detailed the exorcism performed on uh, the identified Roland Doe, aka Robbie. And in 2013, he said, um, quote, emphasize that definitive proof that the boy known only as Robbie was possessed by malevolent spirits is unattainable. Isn't that, isn't that weird? He's just kind of almost denying it in a way. Yeah. Now, according, according to Alan Halloran, also expressed his skepticism about potential paranormal events before his death. Now, when he was asked in an interview to make a statement, verifying that the boy had actually been demonically possessed, Halloran responded saying, quote, no, I can't go on record as saying that. I never made an absolute statement about the things because I don't feel I was qualified. But he was the exorcist. I don't yeah. Well, so what were these, you know, because again, you look at like the movie, The Exorcist, and you start seeing things, right, that you would um, expect to show. Uh, maybe their mannerisms are different. They speak in weird languages. They do all these things, right? And then... Um, but whether or not that was true, I mean, this isn't a movie, right? And we're in a book. What did they say that this guy, this Mr. Doe or Robbie, what, oh. what were the things that they were state they were reporting that he was doing that would suggest he was possessed? Well, the thing is, like he was born into a really religious family. So of course there's that. And then during the 40s, um, they lived in Maryland. Now, according to Alan, uh, Roland was an only child and he really depended on his parents and adults for, you know, as playmates for entertainment. And primarily his aunt Harriet was like his best friend basically. And his aunt was a spiritualist, of course. Now she introduced this kid to the Ouija board. So there it is there. And he expressed an interest in it and they, they played with the Ouija board a lot. And I guess after she died, the family started experiencing like noises and furniture being thrown around on its own accord, uh, objects like vases flying around or levitating. When the boy was nearby so that that falls into the whole um poltergeist category too you know what i mean yeah no i mean a lot of this stuff does weird right yeah weird you know mannerisms and different things those are, could, are, are not willing to sleep horrible um hygiene these types of things yeah uh in, in behavior right i mean a lot of a lot of times they some of the things become real like hypersexualized, right there's a lot of kind of mm, yeah Stuff, and you could see that in the movie The Exorcist in some very intense parts. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff can be associated with just simply a mental illness. Um, oh, but yeah, definitely. It, like I said, like I was saying, though, it just seems like it's interesting that people go to attributing it to some external force like that. Yeah, and they, well, they do, they do really crazy supernatural kind of things, uh, really superhuman things, but remember we were talking about how powerful the brain is you know if you convince yeah. yourself within yourself something's real you know just like a mother getting her kid trapped under a car supposedly she gets superhuman strength can lift the car up and get her kid right but i guess this kid was like during the exorcisms he was slipping out of his hand his hand restraints you know like they're nothing um he, he broke a bed spring from under the mattress and used it as an impromptu weapon like wielded it as a weapon uh, he slashed the priest's arm um and it resulting in the exorcism ritual being halted they traveled to St. Louis where Roland's cousin contacted one of the professors at St. Louis University. Bishop, who in turn spoke to William Bowden, an associate at the college church. Both priests visited Roland in his relative's home where they allegedly observed him, a shaking bed, 
flying objects and the boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting an aversion to anything sacred. So that all could be attributed to just him. Well, maybe not things flying around the room. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. You go back to it. You know, you could talk about mental illness, but you can also look back at other situations. And I mean, you even said this guy, whoever it was, well, I forget what you said his name was, but later on said that he couldn't give confirmation. He, he wasn't qualified, even though he was the one there doing this thing, right? And, and seeing you these could, things. Right. You could attribute this kind of thing to almost like a mass hysteria, right? If there were 30, 28, 30 people that saw all this stuff and report that they were involved and they're all ramped up in this religious dogma and it's, you know, this person could just be <laughs> having a mental breakdown. And then right. you're tied up and then, you know, if your family is super religious and they're doing all this shit yep. and waving you smoke at you and magic water and all this stuff. And of course, you're going to be pissed off and getting yeah. really angry and yelling at them and screaming or being, you know, just trying to get away. And they're, re- they're retaining you. They're keeping you locked, strapped to a bed. You just want to get yeah. out. Of course. That sounds, re- that sounds reasonable. But here's the thing. You could also look at it like, well, that's also a bunch of witnesses who all say that they saw shit flying around the room and the bed going up and down and stuff, you know, so you could look at it that way. This is one of those things, dude, I have no idea. I have no idea what to think. I don't know whether it's supernatural, mental illness, mass hysteria. I, I have no idea. It's just weird. And a lot I of, can't, stuff, I can't say I know what it is. I just can't. You see it, you know, that type of situation, that story, like the Judeo Christian kind of way, right. The, that story from that version, but there, this type of thing, is from all over the world. I mean, there's the same concept of possession is in Buddhism, voodoo, Hinduism, uh, some of the African religions and traditions, you know, they're, they all believe in this stuff, right? You look even, even in South America or Mexico, all these shamanistic type of cultures where the evil beings and the black magic and the brujeria magic and all this, all these things people do. This is all all part of the normal world for people, certain people in certain cultures. Almost every religion, every religion and almost every culture. Uh, what I thought interesting reading about this was the cultures that really don't have this are the Native Americans in both North and South America. They don't really have something like demonic possession that they have to deal with within their spirituality or their customs. Nothing, uh, like, would you, Christi- would nothing you like Christianity or, or, or Buddhism, though. Maybe in a different way, but if you look at those traditional shamanic cultures of South America, Central America, those types of places, they are, I mean, they do believe in these evil entities. And when they no, do their- No, they, they do. But like if the, the exorcism, the possession, like we know it as Westerners, they don't have that. They have shamans, you know, but they don't have someone like speaking in tongues and, and acting like they are possessed by a spirit, unless they want the spirit to possess them, you know, like the shamans will possess- some sort of God to make it rain or to, or to, to grow the crops or to bring, you know, good tidings upon their tribe or whatever, but they don't have like someone that they exercise from, you know, this evil spirit is, is inhabiting this body. You know, they, uh, they, I don't know if that's not, I don't know. If that's correct. No, that is correct. Uh, they did a study about all of the different, um, this was in 1969. I think they did a study where they had 408 different cultures or 488 different cultures from around the world. And 77% of those cultures all believed in demonic possession in one form or another, with the least percentile being the tribes of North and South America. So there are tribes that do believe this, but overall, they were the least affected oh, by this. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, because I was gonna say, I mean, I've read stuff like the Carlos Castaneda stuff with Don Wong, where this is oh, he yeah. goes he goes and wages battle against these things all the time in the other yeah. world. Yeah, so. but think think about how many tribes there are just in North America. There, every, there's so many. They're everywhere. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah. So then, but there would be mental illness there as well in those populations. They're not exempt from that. So what do they attribute that stuff to then? Just being weird? That, that's right. I don't know. You know? That would be an interesting question. Someone who knows about that. Uh, the, some of the indigenous cultures to like say North America, just because that's where yeah. we're broadcasting from. But <laughs> that is that is a good good point too, because I know like deep in the Amazon, some parts in South America, it sure does seem like they believe in this stuff big time you know yep and yep. and like haitian voodoo really does for sure for sure yep zombies or zombies demonic possession well in the voodoo way it would be right the idea is that they can work with the evil spirits whoever the voodoo practitioner is right I mean, right so i think that they could that they're dealing with that stuff but they do imbue physical objects and places with a lot of power which would kind of translate to that same sort of thing i mean you talked about like the, right. the one with the the kid doe roland doe yeah um the inspiration for the exorcist mm -hmm. well as you said it was something from like a ouija board well that, that was just kind of thrown in, in there as you know maybe that's where it started yeah and then then aunt harriet died so he's left alone so he lashes out and it becomes more like a uh, a poltergeist Perhaps, yeah. I mean, one of the things I read was that there were like sort of different stages of possession. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I, one place I read it was five or three, depending on where you went. So I went with three because it seemed like it. The other one was two, breaking it down, too involved. Um, the first stage would be like manifestation and infestation. And okay. this could be thought of as like haunting. It could be, um, it could literally be any object, it could be a place could manifest, for example, as the entity being a dead relative or purporting to be a dead relative during a Ouija board session or a seance or something like that. And essentially seeks to find a way to be welcomed or invited in, right? If someone is receptive to that idea, if you believe, this is of course, assuming you believe in Ouija boards, right? For example, but that's kind of the thought of why they were suggesting, I think with the Roland Doe situation, the use of the Ouija board, then they enter into oppression, the stage called oppression, which is where the symptoms really start. The physical and mental attacks, biting, scratching, the self-harm, those types of things, acting weird. And then of course, the danger, if you believe in this sort of thing is being fully possessed where the entity has control of the poor person more often than not. And of course, if you believe that your soul then is at risk and so on and so on. What there are there are Catholic priests who absolutely like the Vatican has its own like actual like official exorcist too, so they really believe that it, it is a demonic possession, which is odd. Yeah, well, that's I mean, interesting. What do, what does the Catholic Church believe? Like well, right now, they, today in twenty twenty one, I did not even look that up. I did not. I did not look that up either. Actually, I want I want to touch on one last thing though about this um this exorcism about that kid right. Um, the, the next session, next exorcism ritual began, and then another priest came in, William Holleran. Now, he was called to the psychiatric wing of the hospital where the kid was, and he was asked to assist Bowden. William Van Rue, a third Jesuit priest, was also there to assist. Now, Halloran stated that during the scene, 
Words such as evil and hell, along with other various marks, appeared on the teenager's body spontaneously. Now, allegedly during the litany of the saints portion of the exorcism, exorcism ritual, the boy's mattress began to shake. Moreover, Roland broke Halloran's nose during this process. Halloran told a reporter that after the rite was over, the anonymous subject of the exorcism went on to lead a rather normal and ordinary life. So nothing else happened after that. Weird, huh? Yeah. I think he was lashing out. Yeah. I, was, I think a lot of this, this stuff is the case. You know, there's a lot of different, different um, cases that sound very strange. Yep. You know, there's uh, Annalise Michelle uh oh i heard about that one yeah so that was the person that the film the exorcism of emily rose was inspired by yeah 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 she was a german german lady but she had struggled from with mental illness from an early age she had epileptic psychosis and depression and hallucinations and then she's the one who died though right she starved to death basically is that the same one uh yeah yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That yeah. was that's a sad one, man. Yeah, she. I guess at, at 22, she underwent a, a 10 month exorcism. Mm. They tortured her. Is what they yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. They in fucking July, tortured her. In July of 1976, she passed away. Yeah. Uh, an autopsy declared her death was a result of emaciation, malnutrition, and starvation at the hands of her priests and family. They now they got charged for that, right? Yes, they were involved in investigate investigated. Look, they were involved. In an investigation and charged with negligent homicide and found guilty of manslaughter. Sounds right. Yeah. Sounds like murder almost. Right. Well, so imagine this situation again. She's someone who struggles with mental illness. She's hallucinating. Yeah. Uh, over time, you know, she's going to, of course, be, you know, have an aversion to, over the course of this whole 10 month process, she's going to have an aversion to anything they're doing. They're dumping holy water on it, get it away from me. It burns, whatever it is, right? Like, just yeah. get away, leave me alone, right? These people torturing her essentially sucked yeah that's just bad that's bad yeah and they made it worse and worse and worse made her believe that that was a possession probably you know and it made that worse it just spiraled out of control now she's dead yeah all it's all kind of like a almost seems like a manic episode on everyone's part like a hallucination. On everyone, yep. yeah just everyone's a, part yeah. intense crazy situation now what's now, interesting is uh-huh. a, a lot of these stories you hear talk about the aversion towards uh, holy water, and the, co- the cross, and all those types of things. Well, apparently, there is there are a certain class of of demons. Actually, they're not even demons, but possessions we'll call them that are from what they call diabolical angels, fallen angels. Right. So they can they can come in and theoretically you know again if you believe this stuff uh uh, they can come in and do these same things but are not affected by those religious types of connotations here's something that my new roommates asked me last night or no a couple nights ago uh he asked me we're talking about all this kind of stuff and he goes do you believe in angels and i had to pause because i know my mom does and she's convinced that our family is somehow protected by good angels because of different situations we've all had where, you know, one or all of us should have died at some point, multiple times, and somehow we come out unscathed, you know, so I, I had a hard time answering. I was like, I personally don't really know. I mean, I don't think so. But when my mom believes that stuff, and when certain things happen, it's like hard to explain. You know, I, I don't know. I just don't know. 
it's weird. It's a weird question that he asked me, but do you believe in angels? Do I? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think like you, I'm sort of conflicted because I'm not religious in any way. I don't believe in the whole white bearded guy in the sky or the evil demons below. I don't believe in any of that necessarily. Same here. But then I do believe in the theme that you see in nature and other things with like equilibrium, which sort of would kind of equate to like karma, if you will, on some level. I, you know, I've, I've had situations where you, I've had a, almost like a, not a supernatural sense, but I mentioned the one time, I think I was in Europe and saw this whole like attempted uh, mugging laying out and I saw it in advance. I told you about all that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And so that is sort of outside the normal experience as well. I'm not one who quote unquote sees energy and believes in all that stuff, but yet there are things that you experience that might be contrary to that belief. So I have no idea. I mean, I don't believe in hard to explain. Yeah. I don't believe in angels per se, the word angels again, to me, that connotes like a uh, religious thing, religious thing, or like the, like I said, the white bearded guy with the cloak in the sky. That's not even really, I'm not even really talking about religious term angels, um, protector or some sort of supernatural or paranormal protection or something, not necessarily religious though. I don't know. That's just, it's a weird question that he asked me. And I didn't, I just, I stumbled like I am right now. I didn't know how to answer. It's like, I don't think so. I don't know. But then, like I said, when people close to me are like, Oh yeah, they exist. I'm like, okay. But I know aliens exist. And there are people who are like, yeah, right, buddy. You know? So I don't know who am I to say, Yeah, who can say everyone has their own experience. You don't know what it's like to be someone else or what they've experienced or why they believe a certain, certain way. Now, there was there was a book in 1993. It was called Possessed, the True Story of an Exorcism. And that was the author, Thomas B. Allen. Now, he offered the consensus of today's experts that Robbie, that one, the kid we were talking about, Robbie was just a deeply disturbed boy, nothing supernatural about him. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Again, being tormented and tied down and everything. Of course, you're going to be yelling and grunting and yeah, they, other stuff. They postulated he was simply a spoiled, deserved bully who threw deliberate tantrums to get attention or to get out of school. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the reports were that Halloran, who was present at the exorcism, never heard the boy's voice change. And he thought the boy merely mimicked Latin words he heard clergymen saying. Oh, rather than getting a sudden ability to speak Latin. So they're, they're, like, they're tying him down, throwing magic water at him. And then right. yell on these words at him. And he's like, yes, Dominus. In, in exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it was reported that when the marks were found on the boy's body, Halloran failed to check the boy's fingernails to see if he had made the marks himself. Like to see if. Oh, yeah. Like the writing nails. on his body. Right. Because that was one yeah. of the things that he supposedly yeah. happened. Yeah. So he didn't follow like the trail of, uh, you know, evidence or whatever. And it was also also questioned that uh, the story of Hugh's attempts to exercise the boy and his subsequent injury, saying he could find no evidence that such an episode had actually even occurred. Interesting, huh? Meaning so what, all, that this is all made it's up? It's all, all just people. a good story. It's all just a good story. But there were 30 people. All 48. Same bullshit. Oh, 48. 48. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So it's interesting. It's, it's, it's more of those debunkers just kind of throwing shade at it, going, yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, you know, you can get in then. That's just one of the many ways of trying to, quote unquote, fix it. But yeah. I think it's just the paradigm and with, with which you view everything. And for me, someone that sort of 
comes from things where I do to me, it just strikes of mental illness. Well, and the individuals connected to the incident were influenced by their own beliefs sure, and specializa specializations. Yeah. And what absolutely. they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting stuff, man. I think it all ties into poltergeists and, and zombies and yeah. spiritualism, religion, all that shit. Oh, yeah, here they, we go. Here we go. Here we go. Skeptic Joe Nickel wrote that there was uh, fucking Joe, Joe Nickel. Nickel oh, my God. <laughs> Joe. Anyway, um, he wrote that there was simply no credible evidence to suggest the boy was possessed by demons or evil spirits and maintains that the symptoms of possession can be childishly simple, unquote, to fake. Nickel dismissed suggestions that supernatural forces made scratches or markings or caused words to appear on the teenager's body in an unreachable places saying, quote, a determined youth, probably even without a wall mirror, could easily have managed such a feat if it actually even occurred. Although the scratch messages proliferated, they never again appeared on a difficult to reach portion of the boy's anatomy, unquote. So this is one where Joe Nichols actually probably right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you can't pick and you can't pick and choose, I guess. I guess not, not necessarily. If you got to believe it, what looks to be most evident. But you know what? Joe Nickel was proven incorrect about UFOs saying they don't even exist whatsoever. That's all been thrown away. That's so been thrown away for sure. Absolutely wrong about that. So. Yeah. fucking joe nickel he's probably the nicest guy in the world too sorry joe <laughs> <laughs> so you know this this type of thing um manifests also as a way of people maybe trying to get out of accountability for their behavior uh, some people use this type of thing as an excuse for their mental health uh as an excuse for their actions you had the son of sam david berkowitz who claimed that he was possessed and being instructed by uh, his dog, who was oh, that's right. possessed by, a, I think, like a thousands of year old, 6,000 year old man named Sam, an alcoholic who consumed blood, and he would nope. instruct him. Wasn't he a part of like a, a satanic cult or something? So there was multiple people committing those murders. Is that what it was? I don't really know much about it. Yeah, I think he only, he in jail before he died or... I, not too long ago, you know, maybe a decade or two ago, they did an interview with him. He, he only confessed to one murder and a couple of the other ones he said, um, he, yeah, he was there, but it was other people doing it. And it was all like satanic ritual stuff. Yeah. Uh, we should do an episode on that one. That sounds kind of interesting. Actually, It's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, totally. Probably not. It's certainly not anything that hasn't been done. So celebrating podcast, blazing the trails once again. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, hey, hey. anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting stuff, man. You want to end it here? Um, yeah. I mean, if you had anything else to do, editing, no, editing, no, if there's anything else you wanted to cover, but I no. think, uh, okay. Well, I think ultimately Ian, that a lot of this stuff could be traced to mental illness. And like I said, almost a manic type of episode, mass hysteria, if you will, of the number of people that are believe so strongly about what they're doing. Right. I mean, how does someone, retain someone for 10 months and torture them to the point of malnutrition where they die. That's right. Right. It yeah. has to be some, I mean, just some crazy belief, you know, something about that belief too. That, that's, that's obscene. That's crazy. Mental illness. Uh, like you said, mass hysteria, mass hypnosis kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. I don't think I believe that it's uh, it's some sort of religious actual demons possessing people though. I don't buy that. So mental illness, um, possibly feeding into and along the lines of the same sort of types of 
situations and circumstances that result in poltergeists. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, of course, you have the voodoo type of zombies and all these things that tie into that, which seem to have also, if you will, a mental health and yep. mass hysteria. Yep, totally. Of cause. It, it, it comes all back around to the power of the brain. Yeah, that is definitely true. Yeah. Well, you want to wrap it up? Yep, sounds good. This was, a uh, again, I'm surprised we didn't do one specifically de- uh, dedicated to demonic possession up until now. A lot of the stuff that we talk about deals with that type of imagery or type of thing you know and like horror yeah. movies and stuff so it's yeah. kind of interesting we didn't talk about specifically uh demonic possession but this interesting was a, this was a fun one actually yeah yeah i liked i like just reading about it and stuff and oh that's right that that's that's right yeah yeah i did too i was, yeah. I was getting into it anyway um yeah and listen to that new album by um whatever that oxygen destroyer that's right <laughs> i love that name yeah it's a good yeah, name good album good name and we'll see you next week on a new scattering uh, podcast see you later dan all right thanks for listening everyone